Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome to episode 16 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I am your host. In today's show, we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frame to talk all things maritime history and, of course, cruise news. A little later, Peter from Clear will join us to talk about Malta, of all places. And uh, last in the show, we'll be joined by another captain, this time Captain Johannes of Azamara Journey. will be stopping by to tell us about his uh, maritime career and his uh, life at sea on board the beautiful Azamara Journey. Now, also to quickly mention a few people that uh, did get in touch with us. First of all, to Ole, that's double O, double L, double L, double L, double L. <laughs> uh, you left a message on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts to say episode 15 was my favorite. Very informative. I want to go on the celebrity silhouette. Me too. In fact, I'd, uh, I'd go on any cruise right now. Um, also via the website, uh, thebigcruisepodcast.com and join the show. We had a, a couple of comments. Uh, first one, really love the history bits with Chris. So fascinating. I think that one came from Rich. And we also had another question for Chris, which we won't have time to answer in today's show, but I'll certainly pass that on to Chris and we can answer that one in next episode, which will be episode number 17 and that question was all around QE2 and the, the Falklands War which I'm sure Chris will enjoy explaining and answering that one for you also just a quick shout out to our sponsors of course this podcast is not possible without them so we really appreciate their support all of their details are in the show notes and of course you can always find the show notes in uh, the website which is the big cruise um, where everything is listed in episode order but without further ado let's get straight into the show <laughs> Okay, it's that time of the show when we catch up with our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Barry. And a busy week it's been this week. 
<laughs> it has. It's got some incredible news coming up. But before we get into the news, let's uh, turn back time and talk about uh, a cruise line that's uh, been around for quite some time. Tell us about Fred Olsen. Yeah, so Fred Olsen is actually one of the ones that's been making the news in the last few days because they're adding two new ships to their fleet. And that gets you wondering about Fred Olsen as a cruise line. Um, probably a brand that people in Australia might not be as familiar with, but those listeners from the UK particularly, and also those in Europe, uh, will know Fred Olsen quite well. And in fact, the brand dates all the way back to 1848. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's a long-established company. And in fact, it's a family-owned and family-operated company. And it was founded by three brothers of the Olsen family. Um, and still to this day is uh, family-owned and, and managed, which is remarkable in this day and age. Um, now, originally, of course, back in 1848, it was those uh, sailing, pa- sail-powered ships and also early um, steam-powered vessels coming in um, in those early days. Uh, and the line grew in sort of prominence, became quite um, diversified. And actually, it was mainly a shipping company rather than a cruise line. Of course, cruising wasn't really a thing um, all that all that time ago. Uh, but up until the time of uh, sort of the Second World War, they'd kind of grown their presence. And during World War II, like so many other companies, they actually were called up for use um, on the Allied wartime service as well. So they have a rich history there and um, a very deep connection to um, the ports in which they operated in. Now, in 1966, one of their more famous ships, the Black Prince, was put into service. Um, She was actually originally designed as a ferry, uh, but was later in the 1980s converted into a full-time cruise ship. Uh, And she sort of started their sort of foray into uh, modern-day cruising. Um, the company actually is quite um, unique because it's had quite a, a, a history of the last few decades of um, purchasing and refurbishing um, older cruise ships and then offering this sort of smaller ship um, traditional style experience, which is very, very enjoyed and loved by many, uh, many people. And so their current fleet consists of four ships. Uh, there's the Boudicca and the Black Watch, which were originally built as Royal Viking cruise line ships. Um, in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the Bremer, which was from Crown Cruise Lines and actually sailed for Cunard Crown as well in the 1990s, uh, and Bel- Belmoral as well. So there's the four of them there. Um, and they'll be joined by two new ships uh, later this year. Um, in fact, the Amsterdam and the Rotterdam from Holland America Line are going to be making their way over for a new life with Fred Olsen. So um, they'll be the largest ships in their fleet um, and the most modern ships in their fleet. Uh, but um, will be a very welcome addition because they're beautiful ships in their own right. And I think Fred Olsen will do a wonderful job at, um, at you know, lovingly preserving and restoring the slightly older um, style on board Amsterdam and Rotterdam, which so many people are fond of. Yeah, for sure. Um, I first came across Fred Olsen when I worked in the Canary Islands, and uh, I believe they're at, they operate ferries um, on the, the Spanish um, Canary Islands as well. They do. They have a very um, – actually, the Fred Olsen Cruise Line is part of the Fred Olsen Group, and the Fred Olsen Group has very diversified interests. So you'll find them involved in um, numerous transportation and um, uh, and other sort of activities, including, as you mentioned, the, the ferry service. Um, they've also got a river, a river cruise ship coming online um, – I think it's later this year. I'm not 100% sure if that's been impacted by COVID at all, but um, they'll be doing river cruising as well. Okay. Now, obviously, you've touched on Holland America Line um, losing two of their much-loved ships there. There's actually another two that are also leaving the fleet as part of Carnival's bigger um, reduction in 
13 ships over the, the next coming months or so. Yeah, so again, like a huge change uh, for Holland America to have Rotterdam and Amsterdam leaving, but also the Mast Dam and the Veen Dam are going to be departing as well. And this is sort of four of the six smaller ships that they have there now leaving the fleet. Um, and then um, some um, some months back, the Princeton Dam also left. So we're really seeing Holland America now shifting towards um, a more modern fleet with these changes. Um, the new owner at the time we did this recording um, for Mastam and Veendam hasn't yet been announced, but um, apparently they're supposed to leave before Rotterdam and Amsterdam within the next couple of um, months. So it will be um, a sad, sad day for the people at Holland America who both work on or have enjoyed cruising on these ships. Um, but I do believe that they're all going to future operators, so they're not going to be heading off to the scrapyards. They'll actually still be in service under different names and different brands. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, now, staying in the Northern Hemisphere, our friends at uh, Penant have just, uh, well, first of all, they've celebrated uh, Bastille Day, being French, but they also, <laughs> on the same day, launched their, their latest vessel. Yeah, they've been very busy over the last two years. In fact, this is their sixth new build in two years, which just shows the sort of scale of growth that they've got. Um, and it's a... Uh, cruise line now that has 12 ships in service these are these are smaller ships these expedition style luxury ships um, and the latest one uh is a 9,900 ton vessel so you know comparatively quite small compared to many of the ships we've talked about but um it has that sort of very attentive service for the 180 odd passengers that are on board uh it's called Jacques Cartier or Le Jacques Cartier um and it's uh you know brings up the, the latest in, in the fleet um, of 12 ships they've got across a series of different classes that, that sort of scale up in size. Um, at the same time, they've announced that they're going to be commencing um, Iceland cruises uh, on board one of their other 9,000-ton um, ships, Le Ballot. Um, and this will see the ship operating from July through to August 2020 on a series of voyages in Iceland. So again, these are these smaller ships doing localized voyages, which we might, um, which we are seeing, of course, throughout the industry now as a way for the cruising um, activities to start recommencing, uh, particularly throughout uh, throughout Europe. Yeah, we've spoken about um, Hertigruten, we've spoken about Aida and uh, mm-hmm. Hapag Lloyd, and uh, now Penantol recommencing services in Northern Europe, um, which obviously allows us to sit here in Australia and see how successful these restarts are and consider what we do down in Australia and New Zealand waters uh, when Absolutely. the time is right. And I must apologize um, to any French listeners if my accent um, <laughs> didn't do the names justice, but we, we do our best. <laughs> well, I think officially it's Penon. But, Penon, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I, say I imagine it would be Le Ballot or something along those lines. <laughs> but um, if any French uh, listeners know, please leave a comment. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, moving uh, to Viking now, um, they've just, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about new ships on the Mississippi. Now we're talking new ships on the Mekong in Asia. Yeah, so the Mekong is one of um, the, the longest rivers in the world. In fact, it's the 12th longest river, and it cuts through multiple countries. In fact, it's a border river in some points as well. Um, so it goes from China through uh, Laos and Myanmar and Thailand and Cambodia and then Vietnam as well. Um, so their new ship, uh, which will be called Viking Saigon, um, is a small um, ship, again, uh, 80 passengers in 40 cabins, uh, and will be offering that um, Viking experience uh, on the Mekong River, um, which they're kind of describing as uh, a sort of uh, Scandinavian-style experience within the heart of Asia. So that um, will be a really interesting opportunity for people who are looking for a river cruise experience and maybe even people who have travelled on the Viking brand in other areas who might uh, 
want a, a trusted and well-known brand for their um, river cruising experience in Asia. Um, and last but by no means least, uh, our friends at Crystal have announced their itineraries for 2023. That's got to be a first uh, in the industry talking about 2023. Yeah, no, again, they're all starting to look quite far ahead, I suppose, because 2020 has been such a difficult year. So it's um, it's good to sort of start looking into a into a time period which might well be in the sort of co- post-COVID um, era, depending on how things go. Um, so Crystal Symphony, which is a, around about a 960-passenger ship built in 1995, um, Crystal is sort of an all-inclusive experience. Um, the ship itself is about 51,000 tonnes, so uh, probably a sort of small to medium-sized ship in today's standards. But back in the 1990s, she was you know, one of the larger new builds at the time. Um, and she'll be sailing 36 voyages that uh, span in time between 6 and 15 nights uh, throughout 2023. And this will see the ship, she's kind of very well known as being sort of a global roamer. She doesn't just stick to one spot um, and uh, visits various different ports in different parts of the world. Uh, so this this uh, itinerary, this season, we'll see her in North America, in the Caribbean, in Europe, and as well as visiting Australia and New Zealand over our summer. So yeah. keep your eyes out for um, for Crystal Symphony. Absolutely. And um, oh, I've got one more, actually. I forgot we got uh, Coral Expeditions tagged oh, on. so many this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Coral Expeditions are offering some uh, new itineraries for this year, 2020. They are. So they're doing nine um, new Great Barrier Reef voyages in 2020. Um, and this is um, a series of seven-night cruises. And their ship, the Coral Discoverer, it's uh, 36 cabins. So, again, small ship, very sort of intimate um onboard experience it's sort of a classic australian style holiday um it's a bit more casual perhaps than some of the other uh, providers but you know very attentive at the same time due, due to the small passenger number uh, and these are the sorts of trips where you can take zodiac boats um right up close to the action when the ships are in places that the big cruise ships just simply can't go uh, and the ship's also got sort of beautiful observation viewing areas a sort of 300 degree sort of observation area on the top uh, and these voyages will be commencing um, in October of this year. So an opportunity for people to holiday at home and uh, check out the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, so as you say, these small ships are proving more and more popular post-COVID. And uh, Coral Expedition is very, very popular on the Barrier Reef. But also later in the year, they also head down to, uh, to Tasmania. Now, Chris, every week you're popping up new videos and new things on the, the social channels. What's been mm-hmm. the hot topic this week? It's uh, cruise ships that are laid up in weird and strange locations. So a whole heap of cruise ships that are being spotted in ports where they would never normally visit. Um, Recently in the UK, for example, in Portsmouth, which is a naval hub, uh, of course, where the two UK supercarriers are are birthed, um, we had the uh, very large, uh, well, by by Royal Caribbean standards, not a very large ship, but she was, in fact, in the 1980s, one of the largest ships in the world. Uh, The Majesty of the Sea, she just... uh, visited Portsmouth for the first time. There's a whole heap of Carnival cruise line ships in UK waters. There's, of course, all the Australian cruise ships, which are still either up in the Philippines or um, actually a cluster of them now at anchor off uh, off Malaysia as well. Um, just keeping track of where all these big ships are, are being stored during the cruising crisis. And so that was my latest uh, video that went up uh, this week uh, on my YouTube channel. Okay, sure. Well, we'll keep the keep the notes. Sorry, we'll keep the link in the in the show notes as usual. Uh, to Chris's YouTube channel. Um, until next week, Chris. Thanks again. Thank you very much. When you're packing for your next cruise. 
maybe consider a new pair of handmade sandals to go. Uh, Evocus are handmade in Spain and sold with love here in Australia by sandalsandsunsets.com.au. You'll find all the details in the show notes below. And it's that time of the show when we welcome back Pete from Clear. Uh, Pete, uh, we've got a, a, a listener question this week, actually. Um, Steve from South Australia is uh, considering a cruise that heads to Malta in the Mediterranean, and he's uh, asking for tips on what he can do whilst he's there. What are your thoughts? Sure. I'm very familiar with this place. Um, a lot of people don't realise that uh, it only became part of the EU in, I think it was 2003. So before that, when we had a Mediterranean season, we actually always had to have... Uh, Valletta and, and Malta in our itinerary um, to appease the cabotage laws. So mm-hmm. every cruise had a stop in Valletta. So we used to uh, get to know that place very well. Look, it first of all, the sailing, Steve. It's uh, it's a beautiful sailing. I think you've been there, Baz, yourself. I have, yeah. Absolutely spectacular. It, it, it's so monumentally historic. It, it, it's beautiful. It is. It's got that Baroque architecture. And the first thing you'll realize is everything's beige. You know, it's all in that sandstone. I, I don't know what yep. the actual stone is or the limestone, but uh, everything's beige, which actually brings up a point because it can get very hot uh, in Valletta and particularly off, off that stone. So um, mm-hmm. do be prepared for hot weather. But as you come in, look, it's a deep blue ocean. And then you've got that beige, that contrast. And then around the harbour too, you've got particular areas. There's one just across where the the ship docks, uh, I think it's called Isla, where it's you, you got all the yachts moored. It's like a little Monte Carlo, medieval Monte Carlo. Yeah, so you got this medieval that, yeah. look, and then you've got all these rich, opulent uh, yachts. So, look, it's it's great in. Um, I personally would go out and, and maybe see some of the history. I, I think Malta is really appreciated from a historical point. It's it's had a a whole list of rulers in the past, Romans, Moors, uh, Knights of St. John, which uh, the cross is on there, French, British, actually, to 1964. You'll actually see some uh, little British icons, uh, which is quite odd, like the the red um, phone box yeah. and little place names. So British had that to 1964. But um, it going into, so right in the centre of the island is a lot of people want to go to Medina, the fortified city. 4,000 years old, the old capital of Malta. That's definitely worth it. Obviously, from a tour perspective, whenever I do archaeological sites, you need that guy to paint the picture for you because you wonder sometimes what you're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> um, even in the area of uh, Malta, there's other areas uh, with uh, megalithic uh, temples and so forth, which date back around 4,000 BC. So it's a wow. very historical port great one to sort of maybe do some reading up if steve's thinking of going um and the only other sort of uh not it's not so much a caution but i say this so there's an area called the blue grotto which is very famous everyone wants Mm -hmm. to go there and you've got a very similar sort of area in capri when you're in sorrento and, and so forth now with grottos look they're beautiful um to sail or to to cruise uh within but when you're on a cruise you've got a finite time You've got to be back on board by a certain time, so you're limited. Um, a lot of these grottos are very uh, populated tourist-wise, and a lot of them are also affected by tide. So certain tide means you can't go into certain parts. You don't have access. So yep, yep. Um, if you do decide to do uh, the Blue Grotto, do so from a cruise line tour who will have pre-booked craft for you to take. Um 
But I just I think there's more to Malta and in particularly Medina um, than spending that day going out to the grotto. But again, it depends on your listeners' um, choices yeah, what yeah. Steve wants to do. But uh, and and Valletta itself, great place. Look, it's a very um, also just quick tip. Uh, good shoes because it's quite a hilly terrain up and down when you get off the, the, the ship. Uh, you can walk upstairs to get into the main area of Valletta, although there is, I think they built lately a elevator there as well, so that will help. But um, a lot of uh, undulation there up and down steep, but it is beautiful. I mean, you know, when you've got all this beige Baroque architecture and then they're, They've got those colourful doors and shutters. There's yeah. a real character uh, to this area. Yeah, we um, we were there a couple of years ago um, on a cruise for the day, and um, we went, as you say, up to Medina, um, which was which was great, beautiful to see. But the the kids were getting a little bit bored, so we, we headed back down <laughs> to, the, to the waterfront and just you know had a bit of a stroll. And, and yeah, the, the the main area is absolutely beautiful. And um, I, th- I vaguely remember going through an area that had lots of. Um, remnants from from the past wars um like old air force bases and things yes that, uh, those uh, and the museums are very good there too yeah yeah so again another popular destination and uh, lots of things uh, to see and do pete as always thanks for your time mate my pleasure podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends at cruisefinder.com.au. They have more than 30,000 different cruises live on their website, many with live availability and pricing, but most importantly, each and every call, chat and email is answered here in Australia by Australian clear accredited cruise specialists. So when you're looking for your next cruise, please consider the team at cruisefinder.com.au. Our next guest on the podcast is well-known with Australian cruisers. He's from one of my favourite towns and cruise regions. He met his wife on a cruise line that is very close to my own heart, and he and his crew go above and beyond to surprise and delight. We'd like to welcome to the podcast Captain Johannes. Captain, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. Now, I guess we'll jump in first of all and ask you uh, what attracted you to uh, a career in life at sea? Well, I guess that's... uh... Well, I consider myself lucky in some way. I knew at an early age, uh, very young, four or five years old, uh, what I wanted to be. Because my dad, he told me stories about my grandpa, who went to the U.S. a few times to work. And he went across uh, to the U.S. back then on the Norwegian America line, the America boat, as we nicknamed it in, in Norway. So my dad told me stories about grandpa, you know, experiencing storms in the Atlantic and getting to meet the captain and, and so on. So as a young uh, boy, I, you know, that kind of twisted my mind and I decided I want to be someday become a captain of a ship, not necessarily a cruise ship, but that's where I've yeah. ended up uh, in the end. And I believe you're from um, Bergen in Norway. Yeah, just outside of Bergen, uh, Norway. What a beautiful town. It must be an incredible place to, to grow up, experiencing all the, the different seasons and uh, obviously being close to all those beautiful fjords, etc. Do you appreciate it as a child when you're there? <laughs> That's a good one because, uh, you know, when you're a kid, what you have, you kind of take it for granted. And, yeah. uh, you know, having the fjord, having hiking terrain right on our doorstep uh, outside the living room window was the water and the fjord. 
and and growing up uh, you know i was boating out on the fjords fishing and boating with my um, brothers and yep. uh, now for the last 18 years i've lived in charleston south carolina and um, uh-huh. you know once you once you don't have that anymore then you realize what you had <laughs> and, and uh, you don't take things for granted in in, in the same way but as I said, grown up, you didn't even think about it because that was what you had every day, all day, all year on your doorstep. And it was right there. Yeah, exactly. Must be a privilege to to take a ship back to to your original hometown, though. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite crew, of course, favorite ports to to bring the ship into. Of course, I get to see family and friends just up by the visit, but also to be able to take our guests there and, and show them and and give them some advice and hint on where to go and what to see and do and and the must do's and and also cruising norway i can you know i i've worked on on high speed ferries and car ferries in some of these fjords and up the coast and and know some of these villages we we go past so sometimes we've stopped and sent the rescue boat out and and go ashore and buy goat cheese or go ashore and buy fresh uh, strawberries and raspberries and then uh, make uh, the chef uh, and his team uh, you know made something special out of it and and then creating special memories for our guests you know doing doing things like that things they might uh, not expect uh, you do on on a cruise yeah, I did read a couple of those things on the, the Azamara website about you stopping off and uh, even approaching uh, flotillas of fishing boats to, to get the, the, the latest, freshest catch and things. So uh, as you say, those little the little differences make a, a world of difference to, to the guests on board. And that's what people what keeps people very, very loyal because Azamara does have a very loyal um, base of, of clients, of course. Um, now, do you have any tips for, for any person that's maybe just wondering what they're going to do in life and considering or contem- contemplating a, a maritime career? Well, I've I've, I've uh, told some of, some of the officers I've been working with, you know, before I became captain, um, and and one company I was with, I was the uh, you know last uh, chief officer to be hired on with the company, and I I knew the age of all captains; they were all past fifty five, and 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 back then, uh, you know, retirement age was sixty or sixty two. And so I just said to myself, you just got to show, show them that you're better than all the rest and, and work your butt off until, you know, so you get the, the next opening that comes along. So, so that's what I did. But it's, uh, yeah, you know, stay, stay focused on the job and, and, and be serious about it. And, and I've told many young guys, uh, young officers, uh, you know, if you go to the crew bar and hang out uh, and so on, that's not going to be a plus on, on your next, uh, you know, on the next yeah. opening for promotion, but if you do your job and be serious and focus on your job and ask questions and ask those with more experience than you. And, and I said, then you'll get there. Show, yeah. show yeah. what you know and show that you're interested. And, 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 uh, if you ask, it will teach you. Absolutely. Now we've spoken a little bit about, uh, how you you got to where you are but uh, how did um, azamara uh, appear on your radar and, and become such a, an important part of your life well at first i didn't really uh, i wasn't i didn't i had no plan of, of applying to azamara uh, but then uh, back then with um, celebrity cruises was the one uh, operating azamara having the basically the the um, 
management of marine and technical and so on. Mm -hmm. And so I got an, an email from the, the fleet captain of Celebrity asking me if I knew of anyone uh, who'd be a suitable uh, candidates for captain uh, with Azamara. So I sent him a couple of names and, and he came back and said, thank you. And, and so on. And then another few weeks came by and, and then he asked again, do, do you, would you know of anyone who'd be interested as, uh, you know, working as captain for Azamara? So then I thought, well, seems like he's uh, fishing for my CV. <laughs> so, so I just clicked reply on the email. I didn't write any cover letter, nothing. And just attacked my, my CV and said, see attached, best regards. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then we spoke on the phone uh, a few weeks later. And basically, first thing out of his mouth was, so when can you start? So, <laughs> so I basically told him, I said, well, let's get to know each other a little bit first. And maybe we can meet and see if it's a good fit for, for both of us and so on. So, and then, uh, so this was in late. To 2009 and then so my official hire date was February 5th to 2010 and then I got on the ship in, in May and have had a great run and great time with Azamar and looking forward to of course uh, when things uh, get back to somewhat normal to go back on board and, uh, and start sailing again and bring lots of Aussies uh, around on our ships and, and show them some great ports and itineraries Absolutely. I guess, um, obviously, the, the role of a captain is, is similar in some ways, no matter what, what the vessel, but is there something special about being on a small ship versus one of the, the, the bigger or, or brassier ships out there? Well, to, I've, I've told my, our guests, I don't know how many times, but I don't want a bigger ship. And, <laughs> and uh, for, you know, some captains, they, the bigger, the better for them. But uh, for me, uh, the Asimara vessels are, I think, a perfect size, about 690 passengers and 400 crew. And, uh, but it's much more intimate and you get to know the crew, you get to know the, uh, the repeat guests coming back and, 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 you know, you walk around the ship, it's uh, much smaller. You get to, as I said, you strike up a conversation with some guests or you, sit down in, in the lounge coffee bar area, have a cup of coffee with them and, and just chat or, or sometimes I'll, I'll, or not sometimes, I guess most mornings, uh, after we dock or after we drop the anchor, I'll be down at the gangway. And for the first, uh, let's say hour when the excursion go out with a cup of coffee together with the hotel director and we kind of hang out together and say good morning to the guests uh, as they get off and, and that that way the guests get to see you and uh, for for most guests on a cruise ship you know to them officer visibility is important and then they get to see the captain and meet the captain and, and, and talk to the captain and so on so with asimar being smaller i've always said that uh, you know we're small enough to so that it's noticeable if you are visible and it's noticeable if you're not visible um, yeah. So I prefer to be on the visible side, but uh, on uh, the big ships, to me, they, they become, you know, with 4,000 uh, passengers and more, 1,500 crew members. And, and the biggest ones out there now is like 6,700 passengers and 
2,200 crews or you're pushing 9,000. And um, to me, then, then, then you just become a num- number, uh, no matter yeah. who you are, whether you're a guest or a crew, and, and it's just more an, of an assembly line production. Whether, yeah, you know, the... whereas on Azamara, it's, uh, as I said, small and intimate and, and small enough to, to, for you to be able to kind of cover and, and, and meet uh, and, and chat with most of the guests. Uh, you're never going to be able to get to know everybody. And of course, you cannot eat and have dinner with everybody. Uh, but yep. uh, you do get to meet a lot of nice people from all over the world. And I have lots of good friends in Australia who have sailed with us. And, and Asmara has become very popular with Australians because we have a more uh, relaxed and, and laid back uh, um, you know, atmosphere on board. And there is no, no formal... Uh, evenings with gowns and, and, and black tie and all that stuff. So it's, uh, you know, a nice polo shirt and, and slacks for dinner and you're good to go. You don't need a tie and jacket and so on. You can put it on if you like, but uh, there is no need. Yeah, you, you're right. That, that really does appeal to, to Australians. They, they don't uh, see the attraction of uh, dressing for dinner as such in the, the formal attire and, and the, the really... As you said, the, the, the casual atmosphere as Amara really does does pull at the, the the heartstrings of the the Australians. And I also have to agree with everything you said about the small ship experience. I haven't cruised with Azamara, but I have cruised on a lot of small ships, and I think that really sets it apart. Is that not just the captain, but all of the senior officers are visible just naturally because of the size of the ship. And uh, whilst you, you may or may not get to have a conversation um, with with the captain, at least as you say, you, people can see you standing at the end of the gangway, and it, it becomes a much more personal experience. And I, I really do think that's what attracts people um, to, to the cruise, to the small ship experience, which is in, incredible. Now, obviously, uh, whilst you're at sea, it's a very busy, very hectic schedule. But uh, is there anything that happens during the day or during the course of a week or a cruise that really stands out as the most enjoyable experience as the, the most senior officer on board? Well, getting to meet a lot of guests and, and, and guests come back and, and, and also you stay in touch with guests. I mean, I, I probably I get emails and, and messages on Facebook uh, more or less daily from guests all over the world. Oh, incredible! And, uh, many of them, of course, asking when do you think we'll be back in service, and when do you think you'll be sailing again, and and so on. And you know, I don't have the answer to that yet, but uh, of course, I hope we'll be back sooner than later, and that uh, come into the fall, that we'll be back uh, on the go and and, and sailing with uh, guests on board again. I guess if we weren't in this situation right now, would, what would your schedule look like? Would you have been um, on your vessel? Would you have been in a particular part of the world, or was was this your your downtime or your vacation time? No, I got uh, I I went on vacation in um, uh, in Sydney on February twenty third, and oh okay, yeah, I was going to be off until May twelfth, and so I should have been back on board now, cruising in the Mediterranean, and I'm not exactly sure where we should have been right now but somewhere monaco italy france uh, yep. i think in that region uh, but uh, yeah I mean, I, this is going to be the longest vacation i've had ever in my life so coming up in four and a half months uh, here soon <laughs> you must have very itchy feet yeah. <laughs> now have you had the opportunity to speak to any of your colleagues that are still um, on the vessels how how is morale are people generally okay and I believe all the ships are up in Scotland at the moment. 
Yeah, the, all the ships are now docked in uh, Glasgow, Scotland. And I've spoken, I sp- speak to my, my colleague on, on the Asmar journey probably once a week. And I've spoken to both the other captains on on, on the, the pursuit and the quest. And I've spoken to my two colleagues, uh, the other two colleagues uh, at home as well. So we, we all keep in touch. And of course, those on board now, they've been on, on board for extended periods of time. Um, and some of them, I know some have been on for, for half a year. And, and when your typical uh, time on board is 10 weeks, then six months uh, uh, plus is enough. And I think yeah. they're itching to get home to their family and, and, and friends and so on and kids. But uh, uh, I think uh, considering their circumstances, they've been, uh, you know, they've been doing well. And from when I've talked to them, they've been upbeat and positive and of course you've got to make the best out of it yeah yeah for sure um now obviously as a moral journey is your, your favorite ship because that that is your, your current ship but um you've touched on the fact that you love taking the ship back into to burger but is there anywhere else in the world that you, you love sailing into or out of and and, and why well I'm, I'm always asked on every cruise what are my favorite cruises uh, uh, to do uh, of course, I love uh, doing Australia and New Zealand. Um, uh, when I got off in Sydney, I spent a couple of uh, nights in Sydney, and then I went to Adelaide and stayed for uh, three nights before I flew home. Had a great time in both places. And yep. um, another area I love cruising is between uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, with Vietnam and Thailand. And mm-hmm. typically we get, uh, oftentimes we get like, 200 Australians on on, uh, on uh, those cruises. So basically about oh, wow. one third of all guests on board being from Australia. Uh, my own backyard, of course, the Norwegian fjords, uh, cruising up way up north and get to see the midnight sun and so on. The Baltic I, I like with uh, sailing in and out of Stockholm. Uh, when we go to St. Petersburg, we, we sail all the way up the Neva River. And we docked mm-hmm. downtown, about 15-20 minute walk from the Hermitage. Wow. And, uh, and we stayed there for three full days. We arrive at uh, 8 o'clock on, on the first day in the morning. And then we depart on the third day, uh, 6 o'clock in the evening. So, um, And anything that includes the Amalfi Coast, Amalfi and Sorrento in that region, yep. I enjoy. And, and also one cruise I always mention to guests is uh, starting finish in uh, Venice and then do the coast of uh, Croatia and include KOTOR Montenegro and that's a, that's a home run of a cruise for anyone. Oh, that, that, that's a beautiful sailing yeah. selling into KOTOR isn't it? Now you mentioned there that uh, particularly up in uh, the Vietnam region um, you, you get close to 200 Australian guests on board. Does when the demographic sways heavily one way, whether it's Australian or, or Brits or North Americans, does the atmosphere change on board, or is it pretty consistent no matter what the, the mix of nationalities? No, it it more or less stays the same. But uh, of course, sometimes we've had charters, full ship charters, uh, with mm-hmm. only one nationality, and and we've have had full ship charters with uh, Australians only. And uh, yep. I've had a lot of fun with Australians and and. And the different charters going back, and in general, they're happy-go-lucky and, and having a good time. And 
you know, make sure we got enough beer on board and, and we should be good, <laughs> good for the week or two weeks, uh, however, however long the cruise is, uh, is going to last. <laughs> now, one of the key things with Azamara is that you um, often stay much later into the evening and uh, quite a lot of the time now are doing the, the overnights imports. That's, to me, that's an incredible opportunity because, you know, a, the big ships in particular, they leave you know, four or five o'clock for you to be in, in, in port till eight or even 10 o'clock in the evening. And then, as you say, in St. Petersburg to have three full days is is incredible for the guests. Um, do the guests really appreciate that time of, of being able to go ashore during the evening? Yeah, when, when we stay overnight and, and, and stay late, you, you do have uh, quite a few guests going ashore in the evening. Some go out to to see whether, depending on where we are, some go out to see a play and some go out to have a, a dinner in, in a special restaurant and some go out just to experience a lot nightlife and, and, and go for a walkabout, uh, you know, after hours in, into the evening. Because, uh, you know, any city, Barcelona or, or, or whatever city you're in, three o'clock in the afternoon compared to 10 o'clock in the evening, it's a totally different uh, experience. Yeah. And, and so with us That's saying... Many, you know, many reports, we stay till 10 o'clock, we stay till 11, we stay till midnight or sometimes two o'clock or sometimes two full days. So by us staying late and, and overnight, it gives uh, our guests, uh, you know, the opportunity to experience more of the culture and, and nightlife uh, and so on of the places that we, uh, we go to and visit. And of course, on um, nearly all cruises, you also have the as amazing evenings. Is that something that you get to uh, to see and participate in occasionally? Yeah, and I go normally as a captain. You go to most of them, uh, but um, at times, sometimes I I send the staff captain because mm-hmm. uh, you know if I go, I do a little uh, welcome speech, and and uh, sometimes, as I said, I send the staff captain so that he can do that and get his feet wet uh, when experience. it comes to pub- public yeah. speaking and, and preparing for his next step, uh, which is becoming a captain someday. So, so that he has some, is there a, I'm sorry. Continue. No, just, just for them to have some experience by the time they get to that position, by the time they are uh, being promoted. So they're not uh, completely without any of, of any public speaking experience. Sure. Sure. Um, is there an, an as amazing evening that, that, that stands out as uh, being one of your favorite? Uh, <laughs> having done so many, um, <laughs> uh, one that that's always been a favorite uh, was in the in the opera house in Livorno, Italy, with uh, oh, yeah. the three tenors performing, uh-huh. and um, also we have one that we've done a few times in Valencia. I can't remember the name of the location, but it's you've probably seen it, or maybe you've been there, uh, Valencia, Spain. But it's it's kind of looks somewhat like an upside down Viking ship. And, oh, okay. And 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 then we've had the performance there, and and more like a Cirque du Soleil uh, show for our guests. Right, right. So, but they're they're all different depending on where we are, location, region. And so on, um, but some of my favorite one, or a couple of my favorite ones. One was in Haifa, um, at some outdoor amphitheater, uh, with um, yeah. Ashdod Symphony uh, performing together with the oh, uh, wow. soprano, and and with wow. beautiful local food and 
you got a good flair of the local cuisine and 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 then beautiful music and and so on and and um, one we did which was very popular but unfortunately now we're not going there anymore is to, in sevastopol in uh, the black sea uh, but there we had the black sea navy ensemble uh, perform for our guests and just wow. phenomenal uh, performance music and and show yeah and these are all things that um that the guests would never be able to to orchestrate for themselves it's it's, it's truly a once in a uh, a lifetime opportunity to to do some of these things, I guess. Yeah, and as, as our for, as our um, former um, CEO and president Larry Pimentel, he said, "These events are not Googleable. You know, you can't you can't <laughs> search on Google and find these. This is something uh, that Asmara has custom made for for us and for our guests." Absolutely. Now, if somebody um, was considering an Asmara cruise for the very first time, is there Anything that they should be aware of? Anything, any tips or tricks that you'd like to, to offer them? Well, it's, it's, you know, we're a more inclusive uh, uh, product. So your, your tips and, and wine and drinks and beer and specialty coffees, latte and cappuccinos, all, of this, all stuff like that is included. Um, but if, if anyone going on a, as a markers and they haven't been before, I'd say book the specialty restaurants early as soon as you get on board because they are very popular and they tend to to fill up and, and, and book up uh, pretty quick. And and maybe the same goes for, for treatments in the spa if anyone wants to do, um, you know, massages or, or, or stuff like that. But I'm often asked by guests, where do I, or what cabin, or where do I suggest they book their cabin location on board? And I always said low and midship. And, and if you want a, a balcony cabin, I always tell them then book deck six somewhere in the middle. But that's, uh, you know, um, more for those who are sensitive to, to towards emotion, emotion, if they tend to get seasick. But... Uh, I've I've never had what I would call rough rough uh, seas when I've been out and and also we're flexible and sometimes if there is some rough seas coming we sometimes we swap the ports or change the itinerary or we cancel one port and put in another one and then basically circumvent and skirt on the outside yeah. of the weather and to make it smooth and comfy for our guests. Obviously, earlier you touched on um, the fact that a lot of Australians have cruised with you and uh, cruised with Azamara. Uh, do you have a particular message for them um, right now whilst we, we can't cruise and uh, we're all itching to get back out there, but uh, a little message for them at all? Well, as I said earlier, I think we all we just all got to be patient and make the best out of this situation. Of course, I would rather be uh, out at sea cruising uh, right now like uh, many of our guests, but... Uh, we will be back, and, and of course, we look forward to welcome back Aussies and, and everyone on board sooner than later, and, and look forward to seeing familiar faces back uh, on board uh, the journey. So, hopefully soon. Absolutely. Um, Captain Johannes, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking your time. It's, it's late in the evening where you are. It's early uh, where I am. But um, before I finish up, I'd just like to, to ask you, when you do get back on board, if you can just uh, say a big thank you to, to all of your fellow officers and crew, because um, I, 
whilst it has been an incredibly challenging time, it's also an opportunity just to recognise that every single day on every single cruise, there are people going above and beyond to to surprise and delight. And uh, as a, a travel agent and as a cruise lover, I, I think there's no better holiday. And I just want to say thank you to every single crew member out there for everything um, that they do. Sure, uh, I will. And also speaking of, you know, the times we're experiencing now with COVID and, and so on, and, and uh, all of our three ships, the Azamar ships, all stayed clean and healthy all the way. So yeah. we'd like to keep it that way. And, and uh, I'd, uh, I feel happier again with that being on a smaller ship than on one of those big uh, factory production line uh, cruisers. Yeah, I think uh, I think small ships and river cruising are going to be uh, the most popular form of cruising initially in the, in the early days. Uh, but uh, I just can't wait to get on board whichever ship is available first for me. Uh, Captain, thank you very, very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to welcoming you and the Azamara journey back to Australia. And uh, I hope it's sometime soon. Thanks again. Thank you. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.